This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer and Durham, Power Hour is upon us as we get to the uh, last day of the week on this beautiful Friday. Number is 844-SAY-ACCN. It's 844-SAY-ACCN. We continue to stream live on the ESPN app. Uh, Eric Bakic, who's the new baseball coach at Clemson, will join us coming up here in about a half an hour. Omaha gets started today. And, Wes, we've made reference to this a few times. Notre Dame goes tonight, and they've not been back since 02. But our next guest knows all about Notre Dame and taking a team to Omaha. Yep, from 1995 to 2006, Paul Maneri was the head baseball coach at Notre Dame. Then, of course, went on to do incredible things, including the 2009 College World Series at LSU. Uh, he joins us this morning from Omaha because that's what you got to do. You got to put your boots on the ground when the Irish are in town. Coach, first of all, thanks for the time. And I, I said this last week, the irony of all of this the fact that you guys had a 2002 reunion this spring in South Bend and all these things kind of coming together and then doing what uh, Lincoln, that squad did last weekend in Knoxville, eerily similar to what I remember you doing in Tallahassee in 02. This is, uh, as Yogi said, we got deja vu all over again, Paul. (laughs) That's a great lead in. That's exactly what we feel. Um, You know, as I was watching the game from my little theater room in my home in Baton Rouge, I just couldn't help but, but but feel the similarities of what happened 20 years ago. You know, at that time, uh, Notre Dame, of course, was not in the ACC. We were sent to um, – they reshuffled the deck, you know, after the regionals. They didn't have the brackets all mapped mm-hmm. out the way they do now. So I'm sure the NCAA committee felt that we were the 16th best team to be in a super regional. So they sent us to the monster that Florida State was that year, 59-8, and 25-game winning streak. And had won both the regular season and conference titles, uh, conference tournament titles. So they were the unbeatable Florida State Seminoles. And uh, we had a group of kids that was very mature, very confident. We had talent. We had some good power arms. And we went down there and beat them two out of three and, and qualified for Omaha for the first time in 45 years. Obviously, that was a very special accomplishment uh, for our entire program, uh, for me personally. And... Um, 20 years later, look at this. They get sent to Tennessee, who was, quote-unquote, unbeatable, maybe the greatest team in history. Kind of was making me sick to hear those comments, honestly. So, you know, I was really happy to see uh, Notre Dame beat them and and also see Tennessee get humbled a little bit. Uh, You know, baseball will do that to you, won't it, Paul? If you're in it long enough and if you want to have that swagger and that swag, that's all fine and good. But there's a day that, you know what, the other guy's going to figure out a way to beat you. And that's what Notre Dame did over the weekend. But I want to go back to the Irish a second. Uh, We've had Link Jarrett on the show a number of times here in the last couple weeks, including this week. Uh, We just had Mike Rooney on the show that really knows the game and is a Notre Dame guy. Uh, And he's talked about how old this team is. I mean, this is an experienced Mm -hmm. team, even though it's been 20 years since they've been to Omaha. But that does matter when you have a bunch of, quote unquote, grown old men playing a game that they love like Notre Dame does. Uh, grown old men might be a little bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> they uh, they certainly have experience. Uh, and because of the experience, I think, that, that, now, it's not just age experience. Remember last year they went to Mississippi State 
into the super regional and they took Mississippi State to the brink. Everybody felt they should have hosted a super regional. They should have been a top seed, national seed last year. But they, they took Mississippi State to the brink. And I think that experience of being hardened in that type of an environment really helped them this year when they went to Tennessee. Tennessee is not a very easy place to win, as we all know. So um, the the experience, the the age, the uh, you know just the camaraderie of that team, I, I think is going to make them make the adjustment here in Omaha very quickly. Uh, you know, there'll be bigger crowds, of course. The stakes will be higher. But, the, you know, the bases are still 90 feet apart and the mound 60 feet, 6 inches. And I think this team's going to be able to handle it. I would not be at all surprised if they make a deep run in this tournament and ultimately even win it. Paul, you've got some fascinating ties to what we now know as ACC baseball um, because not only have Notre Dame's entry into the league, but Brian O'Connor was your pitching coach in 2 who's done marvelous things, as you know, and we all know, at the University of Virginia. Uh, I told Pac this earlier in the week. I was fortunate. I was doing Georgia Tech at the time at 2 so I got a chance to see Steve Stanley and Johnson and Sanchez and this team you brought. And I, I remember being fascinated by the hustle and the grit uh, in 2 watching that team play. Um, and I always thought Steve Stanley was a terrific player for you in, in center field. Yeah. Here's, here's where I want to go with this. Um, how much of your team do you see in Link's team? I mean, position to position. I mean, I see like Brandon in at third. I see all these different kind of guys. I mean, the way you all pitched it, the way you kind of went station to station at time, the aggressive play on the base pass. Is there something there that you sense in this team that you saw in your 0-2 team? Well, I think you just hit the nail on the uh, uh, on the head. Um, so many similarities. Uh, I think Link philosophically in the offensive baseball is very similar to the way that I tried to get our players to play. You have to have some power in your lineup, but you also have to be able to manufacture runs. When you're when you're playing in South Bend, Indiana, and that cold wind is blowing in off the off Lake Michigan, it's very hard to have big scoring games. So you have to have strong pitching, you have to play great defense, but you also have to have the ability to put some pressure on the other team, uh, making things happen. And I know Link likes to steal bases. He'll throw an occasional hit and run in there. He'll bunt. And uh, and yet when they need to outscore somebody, they've got some power to do it as well. Uh, and that's the way our team was back in 02, 01, in that era. We had those kind of players. But like you said, they, they played with a great deal of confidence. They were tough. Uh, you know, the big situations didn't phase them. And when I look at Link's team now, it's just so uncanny to me how much they remind me of our teams back then. I, I love watching mm. them play. You know, today's day and age is so much about the home run and the strikeout. And uh, I think Link's team is more of a throwback, you know, to the to the era gone by. And I think that's why I enjoy watching them so much, how much I can relate to them. And uh, they're, e- they're an easy team to pull for because I think they do it with class and dignity as well. Paul, how big a deal is it for teams in the Midwest to be able to get to Omaha? I mean, you just talked about Notre Dame. Michigan made it a few years back. We're going to talk to Eric Bakich coming up here in about 15 minutes, the new coach at Clemson. I remember Indiana Mm -hmm. making it to Omaha a few years back. Uh, We've seen it from time to time, some Midwest teams that get off to a slow start just because the weather's so lousy. How tough is it for a team to have to play catch-up, if you will, 
from that part of the country to be able to still be playing here in June and see where it goes in Omaha. You know, I remember back in 02, and then I'll talk about those other teams in a second, but I remember back in 02, we started out the season 9 and 10. After, so almost after games, we were barely, weren't even 500 after 19 games. And when, and of course, we went 41 and 8 the rest of the way and finished, you know, 50 and uh, 18. Um, we went 1 and 2 in Omaha. But I remember on, on the way to the airport, I got a phone call from a great writer from the USA Today. And uh, he asked me, you know, what were you thinking when you were 9 and 10? Were you thinking about Omaha? And I told him, I said, to be truthful with you, I was really happy we had won nine games at that point in the season. <laughs> you know, when you're coming out of the cold weather and the first time you put cleats on your feet is the first game of the season, it takes a little while to get into the flow of it all. You know, you're just happy if guys aren't swinging and missing in batting practice or they're not dropping pop flies. So <laughs> Link, Link's teams have been different than mine from when I coached at Notre Dame in this sense is he's found a – a magical formula to get off to decent starts. He's not gotten off to the rotten starts that I used to get off to and then have to really play catch up. I don't know how he's done it, but it's, he's been a magician with it. So his teams have never really had that terrible lull at the beginning of the year. It's so extremely difficult for, for teams from the North to start the season. Um, you know, I remember when I went to LSU for the first couple of years, we'd be out doing, you know, inter-squad scrimmages at the beginning of February in the three weeks leading up to the season. And I would turn to an assistant coach and I would say, this almost feels like cheating that we're out on a ball field <laughs> actually playing a scrimmage game to get ready for the season. I hadn't experienced that in a long, long time. Before my 12 years at Notre Dame, I had six years at the United States Air Force Academy. So over an 18-year <laughs> period. It wasn't many scrimmages on the field before the season were, was to begin. So it's it's an amazing accomplishment. Um, let, let me say this. You know, when, when we went to Notre Dame, um, excuse me, when we went to the College World Series with Notre Dame in 2002, it had been 45 years since Notre Dame had been to the College World Series. And I remember very vividly when we were eliminated and I had to meet with the press in old Rosenblatt Stadium. I made a very uh, bold prediction, and I said to the media, I promise you it won't be 45 years more before Notre Dame comes to College <laughs> World Series. Well, man, we were getting at 20 years. I was starting to get a little bit nervous. You know, almost got halfway to 45 So when, I, when Link had me talk to his team last October when I was visiting my son up in South Bend, I told him that story and I said, please don't make me a liar. You guys got to get to the College World Series and get this monkey off my mm. back. And, and Paul, if I'm not mistaken, I think the 57 Notre Dame team eliminated Texas of all things. And here they are going to hook up tonight in the first game. And how ironic is that? I did not know that, actually. But, be, but also uh, the irony of it is in 2002, in our bracket, yeah. Texas was in our bracket, but we never got to play them. Hmm. And and to this hmm. day, I mean, everybody's really, you know, you guys think it was really cool that we went to the College World Series in 02. 
I had to sit here with a sword in my side, still mad we didn't win the whole thing, you know. And I felt like we could have beaten Texas if we just would have played them. But we lost 4-3 to three to Stanford in the first game. And then we came back and beat Rice, who was the new number one team in the country after we knocked off Florida State. And we beat them in a thrilling come-from-behind victory. And then we lost another close game to Stanford. So we never got to play mm-hmm. Texas. And of course, they went on to win the national championship. And the other irony for me personally is that in 2009 with the LSU team, when we didn't win the national championship, we beat Texas in the finals. So I'm really happy that Link and his and the Irish are getting a chance to play the Longhorns because Texas does represent excellence in college baseball. And if you're going to go to the World Series, you want to play the best teams. You know, you want to play the big name teams. And uh, that way, when you knock them off, it even makes it a greater accomplishment. Amen to that. Oh, there we are. Okay, we're back. We're back. There we go. Got it. Um Paul, I want to I want to bring you full circle with this one more time on O2 here in our remaining minutes or so. Um, I had somebody tell me this yesterday or day before yesterday uh, because we were talking about 2002 in that College World Series. Pac, I want to, and I haven't even told Mark this yet. Um, you were coaching Notre Dame. Mark Marcos was at Stanford. Uh, Augie Garrido was first year at Texas, I believe. Wayne Graham was at Rice. Jack Leggett was at Clemson. Ray Tanner was at South Carolina. Dave Van Horn, who I think was rumored to be going to Arkansas, was coaching Nebraska. Now, if that's not a Hall of Fame College World Series of coaches, Danny Hall at Georgia Tech, who's now the active winningest coach in college baseball. I mean, I I don't know where we've ever seen a cavalcade of coaches in a College World Series like O2, but we had to go 20 years to look back and go, Wait a second. That was really, really unbelievable. Well, you know, I never really kind of thought of it that way either. And I was really kind of the young guy on that group. Uh, I, I think I was only early 40s when we uh, when we went to Omaha. Um, but I do remember uh, years later in 2009 when um, we played Texas in the finals. And um, I remember my wife asking me, who, you know, who do you want to play in the finals? He thought, well, well, you have a better chance to beat them. And I said, no, I just, if we're going to win our first national championship, I want it to be against a team like Texas with a coach like Augie Garrido, because that's what you do. That's what you want to do in college baseball is you want to compete against the best. And that, that roster of head coaches there that were there in 02, I mean, that was quite a roster of head coaches. And, mm. you know, we lost the two games, Mark Marquez, but we were able to beat Wayne Graham and, and, uh, you know, I, I never let Wayne Graham forget that. I can promise you through the many years that we knew each other following that year. <laughs> oh, I yeah. love it. Well, have a great well, time out there, man. What a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. Enjoy the time in Omaha. Well, Thanks, Coach. Appreciate the visit. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's you good bet. to be with you. Yep, Paul Maneri, the uh, coach at uh, Notre Dame in their last trip to Omaha. Don't forget now, tonight, post game. Following uh, Notre Dame in Texas, come right back to ACC Network after it's over. Complete coverage post game coming up. Kelsey Riggs with Danny Graves and Mike Rooney live from Charles Schwab Field right there in downtown Omaha, right around the market. And that's right after the game on ACC Network. When we continue, 
More coverage leading up to our visit with new Clemson baseball coach Eric Backage. Bottom of the hour on Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Friday. Thanks again to Paul Maneri, who just joined us. NCAA champ, did it at LSU, took Notre Dame to the uh, College World Series 20 years ago. Uh, I'd like to have him back. He's terrific. Knows his stuff. And I like, you know what I liked about, about uh, I like, you know what I liked about some of his answers, Wes? Goes hmm. back to last weekend in Knoxville. The game of baseball, you know, there's, there's a dignity to it. There's a way you act. Right. If you want to act like a clown show, you want to kick around, hey, we're classless, look at how cool we are. That's fine. That's your <laughs> yeah. business. But yeah. you know what? It's it's kind of funny how baseball will come back and kind of humble you like that. It'll just kind of kind of remind right. you who's boss from time to time. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how about that thing about the coaches in O2, though, Pac? How about that list of coaches at the College World Series? Is that not crazy? Well, I mean, I had totally forgotten who all was there until I was reminded. Well, you think about it, you pick a sport, uh, you could probably go back. There's always that lineage of great coaches. That's the thing, to me, that makes college sports mm. so intriguing. We talk about players and plays all the time, but it normally starts with great coaching. It really does. I, you you yeah. pick a sport, and you can kind of draw a line to it, but that was in a, a really impressive list of O2. No question. Yeah, I know I know. we talked this week. I w- it was interesting because I was trying to make – sure I was right on certain things knowing we were going to have Paul Maneri on so uh, Chris Capo who's a long friend of mine who was the baseball SID at Georgia Tech at the time and now works in Major League Baseball on the player rep side was telling me he said now just I want you to think of the coaches that were out there and he started rolling down the list I'm like whoa I mean Dave Van Horn we know what a great job he's done at Arkansas right and yep, he came with a foul ball yep um, Ray Tanner speaks for himself. Jack Leggett speaks for itself, right? Great coaches. Danny Hall, we talked about, winning his active coach in college baseball. Wayne Graham, sensational at Rice. Mark was unbelievable job at Stanford. You get Paul Maneri at Notre Dame. I mean, it's just it's, – it's kind of a who's who of the whole deal. So, um, really cool to see that in 02. And then I remember telling you about uh, – I remember telling you about Nebraska coming in there pitching on Saturday night with Shane Kamimi, this kid from Hawaii, left-hander playing Clemson. Michael Johnson, the big first baseman from Georgetown, South Carolina, I think hit a ball off Shane Kamimi that's still traveling. I think the ball just re-entered the orbit. You remember that kid that played first base at Clemson, Michael Johnson? He was enormous. I think they only listed him at like 6'5", 230. It was like he was 6'8", 275 when he stepped in the box on the left side. It was unbelievable how big a guy he was at first base. By the way, when you were, were so uh, good. I mean, when you were in Omaha, did you ever go to the zoo? I walked by the zoo. But you never walked went through it? Because the zoo's pretty good. The, beyond right field. Yeah, I know. It's really good. No, um, this will come as a shock to you. You know what I did on the off days in Omaha? You when drank. I was in there in 02? You drank and ate steak. No. No. I did eat steak. I did get a whiskey steak, and I went to the Drover. Yes. You got to do the Drover. But, but, you know what I did on my two off days in I Omaha? I do not. Come on. I have no idea. Play golf. Play oh. golf. Boring. Boring. No. Boring. Not play boring. golf. Play golf anytime, man. You should have gone to the zoo. Get a couple not beach bad shots. Golf in Omaha. By the way, 
Golf. Huh? Please. Yeah, golf, man. Went and played Arnold Palmer course. It was sensational. Had a blast out there. Uh, buddy of mine, Pat Hickok, and I, we went and played golf. We had a great time. If I ever go back to Omaha, I'm going 90 minutes north to Homer, Nebraska, and play Landman that King Collins has just finished. I'm not. It's going to happen. Off day. If I go to Omaha and I, I have an off day, uh-huh. that's the last thing I'm going to do is go play golf in 102-degree well weather. Last thing I'm doing. Okay. I'll I don't play care. The other I, mean, day and I don't care. I don't care how much beet juice you put in the cart. I'm not going. Not going. <laughs> that that doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun to me. I'll be honest with you. Oh, kids, kids. Let me tell you now. You missed it yesterday on this show. My man, always up to do something different. Devin Leary bought him a little bottle of beet juice, and he hit it. Why not? How'd you feel about an hour later? Were you? I felt good. I told you I, I didn't sleep. I haven't slept since the show from a day and a half ago. He said it's a high energy thing. It is. <laughs> now I know why Leary's taking shots before the game with that uh, beet juice, man. Kind of looks like your lips are already bloodied. Looks like you've already been through war and back. <laughs> you go out there and just take care of business. High wire act. Oh, I get man. it now. I, I totally get what Devin Leary's talking about. I get it. <laughs> Jordan Cornette, Packard, anybody tell you you look like a vampire? Um, all right. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the trip to Omaha, by the way, this College World Series event is one of the great spectacles in sports. We touched on this. Pack, the ACC's had a, oh, it's just an awful drought. But now, where does the College World Series fall in your world of total sports experiences? Uh, it's, now, it you is, said earlier you went to a Super Bowl and it was boring. Boring. So, Super Bowl is a snooze. In person, it's a snooze. I mean, I'd never, I'd never go to another one. Uh, in my opinion, okay. the College World Series is the best NCAA tournament. Now, I'm not telling you it's the mm. most watched. I'm not telling you it generates the most money. It does not in either category. But in terms of the event, going to the event, in my opinion – I've had more fun at Omaha than I've had at any other NCAA tournament. That's how I'll answer your question. Yeah. It is a terrific experience for a lot of reasons. Uh, you've got a team there. It's a great experience. Now, the you know, how many, t- how many games you get to hang around for is obviously a big part of it. But uh, in terms of environment, I'm with you. I think that uh, – I think the continuity of Omaha, I think the incredible support – and now, nothing against old Johnny Rosenblatt Stadium, but I will say this, moving the ballpark downtown, modernizing the ballpark, and putting it in the market downtown near the arena and everything else, I mean, it, you know, I don't want to overstate this. A lot of this is walking distance, and as I told you earlier, eerily similar to Indianapolis when Indianapolis gets a Final Four pack. Well, here's the other thing. There's not a bad seat in the house. I don't care if you're sitting out in the with the bleacher creatures and you know hitting the uh, volleyballs and beach balls and everything else, or if you got an upper deck seat down the lines. There is not a bad seat in the house. And I would tell you for everybody that says, "Oh man, give me the Final Four. The Final Four is great. I mean, I, I love going to Final Fours. But if you want to watch the event, you can't watch the Final Four anymore. You can't. Mm. I mean, you're one of 70,000 people with 70,000 bad seats. I mean, every seat's a bad seat. You go to the baseball game, there is no bad seat. Just saying. Yeah. Now, now I don't care where the venue is, the, the Final Four event 
is tremendous. The practices are cool. What they do in the warehouses and the convention centers and all the interactive stuff they have is awesome. You walk through the hotel lobbies, it's a who's who. It's a great people-watching spot. Normally, the food's outstanding. But if you want to watch the game, please. You put, you're going to put a basketball yeah. floor in a football stadium? I'm going to show you 70,000 terrible seats. That's what it is. But you know what? Yeah. Every one of them sold out every year, and that's why it will continue to be that way. It's a money grab. That's all there is to it. Yeah. It's a terrific environment. It starts this afternoon with A&M at Oklahoma at 2, and then 7 o'clock tonight or Notre Dame and Texas. Don't forget, postgame follows on ACC Network. Uh, just flip right back over for Kelsey, Danny, and Mike Rooney. They'll be right there at, uh, at Charles Schwab Field. Uh, stay tuned, because on the other side, we're going to go talk to the new baseball coach at Clemson. Eric Backich is the new man in charge for the Tigers on the Diamond, named officially yesterday by Athletics Director Graham Neff. And uh, we're looking forward to catching up with him for the first time. And we'll do that right after this on ACC Network. Packer and Durham. That's the new man in charge of Clemson baseball. Introduced yesterday, Graham Neff finds his man from the University of Michigan, West Durham. There you go. Eric Backage becomes the new Tiger head coach. Of course, had done a marvelous job at Michigan, taking them to the College World Series three years ago, as Paul Maneri just mentioned in our visit, and uh, also had done a great job at Maryland uh, prior to his arrival at Michigan. Um, a guy who grew up in California but has a lot of experience, including a season with Tim Corbin and Kevin O'Sullivan and Jack Leggett at Clemson. And, and Pack, in some ways, uh, this this feels like a great fit and a great hire from Graham Neff in his first move as Clemson's athletic director. Well, Mike Rooney said so last hour. I said, all right, how do you lay this out? He says he thought it was a home run hire. Guy understands Clemson. He's done a brilliant job. Yep. You mentioned at Maryland, obviously taking Michigan to the uh, College World Series to the title game. Almost won the whole thing coming from mm-hmm. a Big Ten school given the weather issues that Paul Marinari uh, just talked about. So the guy knows what he's doing, and uh, he understands what the Clemson gig's all about because, as I said the other day, Baseball is important at Clemson. This is not just another sport that, hey, we're going to go play it and do our thing. People care about it. Season tickets, facilities, the whole routine. Baseball is a big deal to Tigers. And when the change was made, uh, it didn't take long for this name to surface, Pac, as a, as a prime target, potentially, for the job. And, and when you do the digging and start looking at the, at the resume, uh, especially in coaching, because his departure at Clemson coincided with Tim Corbin going to Vanderbilt. And when he went to Nashville, he was part of some great Commodore teams, David Price's recruiting class, all these things. Then you take over your own stop. You know, you go to Maryland, you do a really good job there for three years, and then on to Michigan. The step-by-step moves here of Eric Backage are impressive. And, and therefore, I, I can understand now why that name and, and Roddy Jones said it after covering Michigan in the Louisville regional a couple of weeks ago. He said it feels like a really, really good move if this works out for Clemson. And sure enough, it did yesterday. Yep. Like I said, uh, I think Graham Neff uh, had his target through it and he had it. I think it's exactly, hey, he's the right guy for the job. Let's go for it. And again, they're going to write a big check, but baseball matters. I used the example the other day. 
uh, like with when you start talking about lacrosse and you talk about Syracuse, there are certain sports, certain schools, or hey, it's a 24-7, 365 thing. Uh, we talk about Clemson football all the time. We did earlier today on our two days. But baseball is one of those sports mm-hmm. at Clemson that, hey, you go to a game midweek, there's a ton of people there. You know, there are folks that worry about recruiting and, hey, are we going to the tournament? Are we winning ACC titles? Are we getting back to Omaha? And it's been a while for the Tigers. 2010 seems like a long, long time ago. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a drought. You know that. I know that. I mean, that's it. That program – with the history there, I mean, what Coach Wilhelm established, what Jack Leggett followed up with, um, you know, and I know Monty Lee was successful and won an ACC tournament along the way in his tenure at Clemson, but the Tigers, a 12-year miss on Omaha feels like that's that's two generations in Clemson time, Pac, from College World Series. Yeah, I mean, that's the standard there. And it's not one of those pipe dreams of, hey, one of these days we're going to get there. No, no, no. They've been there a dozen times. I think it's give or take 11, 12, 13, something like that. And, and, and you know, we go mm-hmm. back to about the ACC's ability to get to Omaha has not been an issue, but winning all of it has. Uh, and that's got to get solved down the road. Again, Notre Dame's got a chance to do something about it this go-around. But Clemson has been to Omaha a bunch, and they expect to go back. And I think that's exactly why Graham Neff looked around and said, hey, no disrespect to Monty Lee, but our standard is not to be competitive within the league. Our standard is to win league championships, get to the regional, host them, host super regionals, and get to Omaha and win the thing. So – Hey, this is a this is a big hire. This is really, I thought, the first giant hire with Graham Neff, given the fact that there's a transition. It's not like, hey, we're starting a new sport with, like, gymnastics. Let's go out and find somebody. Right. This was a sport that you expect to be good. And quite frankly, Monty Lee, uh, as you said, won an ACC title. But he'd probably be the first one to tell you, when it came to postseason play, Clemson came up short here the last couple of years. And that is the reason for the change. Yeah, I think the other thing, too, that's ironic about all of this is what year was Eric Bakich at Clemson? 2002. Here we go. 20 years again. I mean, like on the number. And that was a Tiger team that went to Omaha with Khalil Green playing at shortstop. We mentioned Michael Johnson, you know, at first base. Terrific baseball team uh, that Jack Leggett had that year and one of two ACC teams that ultimately ended up out there. And Georgia Tech and Clemson were in the same bracket, in fact, with South Carolina, ironically. Um, but uh, here we go again with the guy who was a part of a very successful staff. That staff Clemson had, you know, in 02 with Corbin and Kevin O'Sullivan and Jack Leggett and Eric was the volunteer assistant. Holy cow, Pac. But that goes back to, to the point that you were rattling off all the, the great managers and coaches at the time in the 02 College World Series. I keep telling you, it all goes back to coaching and just taking mm-hmm. that particular team and seeing the names, you're like, well, you know what? That coaching tree was pretty impressive. That, that normally is not a surprise when I think you do the deep diff, the deep dive. Uh, and again, you pick a sport, and, and normally you'll find that coaching tree. Uh, really smart people always find a way to surround themselves with really smart, talented people. Those are the most successful ones in life, whether we're talking about running an athletic department, running a baseball program, football program, a television network, whatever the case may be. Smart people always have a way to surround yourselves with really talented, smart people. Yeah, and uh, so we're looking forward to talking to Coach here in just a moment. We're trying to clear a last hurdle here to get him on board with us. And I tell you what we'll do. We'll step aside here, take our last break of the program, come back. Eric Backage joins us from Clemson. 
Packer and Durham continues on a Friday right after this on ACC Network. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham on a Friday, getting you ready for a Father's Day weekend. But before we get out of here, uh, we're going to go back down to Tigertown hey and uh, bring on the brand spanking new baseball coach for the Clemson Tigers. Eric Backage joins us live from Clemson. Coach, uh, congratulations. And heck, I guess we can say welcome back 20 years, right? Welcome back to Clemson. Hey, Wes. Hey, Mark. Thank you. It's great to be back. Glad to be back at Clemson. All right, so why? Mm-hmm. All right, you're rocking and rolling at Michigan. Yeah, you, you had a you know a short stay in Tigertown 20 years ago. What is it about the Clemson job that you just said, hey, it's too good to be true? Well, that was it. You know, 20 years ago, it was my first opportunity to start coaching, and I just have such a deep appreciation and gratitude for getting so lucky to be on Jack Leggett's staff with Tim Corbin and Kevin O'Sullivan and that team that we had in 2002 that – won 54 games and was ranked number one in the country for most of the season and finished in the top four of the World Series. All of that just really anchored in my mind that, you know, this is, this is just a dream job and it's a place that someday I would, I would hope to, to be at. So I just feel very fortunate uh, to get to, to lead Clemson baseball moving forward. You know, Eric, here's the thing, and I just mentioned this with Pac a minute ago. Uh, you had one year – and then you followed – you went with Tim Corbin to Nashville where great things happened at Vanderbilt for him and still continue to do so. Then you got an opportunity to to kind of rebuild Maryland and then Michigan. It feels like there have been purposeful steps along the way in your coaching career, uh, maybe all connected in some respect, but at the same time, uh, very meaningful directive steps in your career. I think you're exactly right. You could certainly draw the strengths from every stop along the way. And uh, at, at Vanderbilt with Coach Corbin, just learning how to recruit at the highest level uh, under his tutelage and uh, learning how to shift the target onto total person development, not just physical player development, uh, but what it meant to create leaders in the community and develop future husbands and future fathers you know, at, at Maryland and Michigan, it was, uh, you know, we may not have had the facilities at Maryland. We may not have had the weather at Michigan, but it was just ways to really sharpen your, your tool set uh, and not never make excuses, but use what you have to the best of your ability and get very creative as a coach in order to achieve success. And a place like Clemson has no excuses. Everything is here. The infrastructure is here. And I'm just really excited to put it all together and help these players reach their potential and help our teams reach its potential. Eric, that's where I was going to go with you, that, you know, the rebuild at Clemson is very different than what you experienced in College Park and Ann Arbor. And the fact that you've had a, a taste of it before, you, it's, it's not like you're walking in going, wow, look at this. I didn't know we had this. You, you kind of know the lay of the land in some respects, even though it's been 20 years uh, what do you think the first thing, though, is to rebuild a Clemson baseball program? Because I said earlier, the standard of baseball at Clemson is a big deal. People worry about it 24-7, 365. It's a sport that matters. So what's the first step for you moving forward? Well, I, I don't know if I would use the word rebuild. You know, they're great, they're great players on this roster. And you look at Max Wagner, the ACC player of the year last year. And, they, you know, Clemson was just so close. 
uh, last year from getting into the tournament. When you get into the tournament, anything can happen. I think Clemson is a, is a place you just reload. And, um, and the, the tradition and the history and everything here is set, the infrastructure is set. So right now, step one is the needs assessment of just where can we maybe, uh, what can we do from a recruiting standpoint? Before that, it's finalizing a coaching staff. Uh, but Clemson baseball is, is not a rebuild. It's a reload, and we are going to put some pieces together so that we're competing for ACC and national championships uh, right away next year. A little bit more thumping at ballpark now, Eric, than there was. I mean, it's still, you know, a house of horrors for a visiting team, but there's a little bit more atmosphere and environment and, dare I say, brick and mortar around that thing. I've been blown away. Doug Kingsmore Stadium was always awesome, but walking into it <laughs> yesterday, at first I felt that the tidal wave of just memories and emotions from being here 20 years ago, and then I turned into kind of a fanboy looking around just – <laughs> Eyes open, jaw open, just the facilities, the amenities, the stadium, the outfield seating, the cages. Just I can't wait for the Clemson family and Clemson faithful to pack that place out, set attendance records. And that looks to me like the perfect environment to host regionals and super regionals. Well, you're, I, can, I can vouch for it as an alum. Uh, I've always said it, if you don't have smoke somewhere in the outfield, you're not a real big-time baseball place. And uh, you can find some smoke in the outfield, some great food. And like I said, the fans care. It's one of those sports where, you know what? Hey, recruiting matters. I know that's your bread and butter, and I know folks are going to be excited about it. But it's a place that cares. If you're playing a game on a Tuesday night, it'll be packed. They're ready to go. It doesn't matter if you're playing roast beef A&M or if you've got a top five team rolled in there. And I'm sure that's one of the things that that was a hook for you, too, that, hey, I want to be your place where everybody cares and talks about baseball all the time. And you certainly found it. Well, I, I looked at the schedule. I didn't see roast beef A&M on there. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they should care. They, they sh- the fans should care. This is Clemson, and the standard is the best. The standard is excellence, and you see it in all the other sports. And I'm, I'm here in the football building right now, looking around again, being a fanboy. And I mean, just the, but that's that's what has been created here. The the Tiger Paw is now a global brand, thanks to Coach Sweeney mm. and his staff over the years. Clemson baseball tradition is second to none. And, uh, and the fans should care because they've seen a lot of good baseball over the years at Clemson, and, uh, and there's no reason why we can't be competing for championships. I know in the span of 10 days or so, it's a whirlwind. Uh, a tough way for your season to end at Michigan in the, in the regional at Louisville. Um, I, I know those type things can be difficult. You did such good work there. You mentioned putting a staff together, all those type things. Uh, there'll be no rest for the weary here, I'm guessing, uh, in the next uh, couple months for you, right? There will be a lot of coffee in our future. That's right. Yeah, no, it's it's a tireless uh, effort anyways. Uh, I don't sleep that much anyways, but uh, I'm looking, looking, mm. really looking forward to putting a staff together, beating the bushes, going to hit, you know, do a needs assessment in that transfer portal, look for some, 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 some great pieces to add to, augment and supplement our roster to put a championship team together we already have great players on the roster so i don't i don't think we're going to need to add too many but the pieces that we do add are going to be very tactical and very strategic uh, but we are looking for some some of the best of the best in the transfer portal and see if what's available 
but the staff needs assessment and then just get to work with our players and and to help them reach their potential with their development in as a total person as as a the future husband, father, and community leader as a student here at Clemson, and then obviously as a baseball player. Eric, a couple years ago, you had Michigan as close as you can possibly get to winning a national title, which was a testament to you, your staff, your players, and everything else. Uh, We get ready to get cranked up in Omaha, and and Wes and I have tried to describe it to people today, uh, because like I said, I've never met a soul that's ever made the experience of going out there that came back and said, yeah, it was okay. Uh, I mean, it's a special place. Um, when when you look at the eight teams that have made it, and you got Notre Dame from the ACC, from the Midwest, that's sitting there, uh, how would you, to number one, describe it to everybody? And number two, what do you think happens in Omaha moving forward these next uh, 10, 12 days? Well, the, the experience is magic. And uh, I don't know if there's any other way to describe it other than that. It's you get there and you just you feel like the players feel like they're you know rock stars on tour. I mean you've got you've got parades, you've got banquets, you've got fireworks, you've got you know we had the Eli Young band on stage performing a concert for all eight teams. I mean it was just it was magic. Uh, and then at some point you have to refocus the team and remind them that we're here to play a baseball tournament uh, and just try to try to shrink the moment to be just about baseball and make it just about baseball and immerse ourselves into just the tournament itself. Uh, but it's, it's going to be uh, the, the importance of getting into staying in the winners, getting to the winner's bracket and staying in the winner's bracket uh, is a mm-hmm. huge advantage. So uh, there's no predicting success at this point of the year. Everybody's good. Everybody's got explosive players. Everybody's got great players. Uh, so you could take what's on paper and try to make predictions, but you really just you could throw it out. The team who plays the best is going to win that particular day. The team that can relax the first is probably going to have the mm. advantage because uh, mm. it's 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 yeah. it's a real environment. You can't pretend it's not there, and they're going to be excited and they're going to have to try to downregulate, use their breathing, and just just make it about baseball. Mm. That's awesome. I tell you what, it's great to welcome you back to Clemson. Great to have you in the ACC, and uh, and thanks for joining us here this morning. We really appreciate it. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Appreciate being on. All right. Eric Backich is the new Clemson baseball coach. We appreciate his time, and uh, great to see the enthusiasm he brings to the table here, Pac. That'll be important when you uh, start reloading at Clemson, as he says. Well, that's right. He said, we're not rebuilding, we're going to reload. And again, that's standard Mm. there. I I keep going back to that. 2010, the last time Clemson's made it to Omaha, which seems like a million years ago for a program and a fan base that expects to be in the hunt every single year. So, you know, his mindset, you could already tell, is spot on where he understands what he signed up to do. Hey, this is a job. That matters. And uh, like I said, down there in Tigertown, yeah. this whole state of South Carolina, when you're talking about Coastal Carolina, is one of Natty. South Carolina is obviously, uh, you mentioned Coach Tanner going back to back. It's a state where baseball, college baseball, is mm. a big, big deal. So we wish him the very best yep. getting Clemson back on the, the highest of levels. Uh, real quick, before we say goodbye, I want to show you something from yesterday. Uh, in Chicago uh, that I think is really cool and it has an ACC tie, has a personal tie to Mark. Um, Yesterday in Chicago, uh, Matt Eberfluss is the new head coach of the Chicago Bears and the McCaskey family 
uh, sent the entire Chicago Bear team on the field 52 years to the day after Brian Piccolo's passing. The entire team wore number 41 yesterday at Hallis Hall for their minicamp practice. Uh, in fact, uh, Joy Piccolo O'Connell and Brian and Joy's three daughters were also there yesterday, Pack. I mean, talk about just an amazing, amazing legacy that uh, your godfather left on this planet is just it's it reminds you every year just how impactful he was in 26 brief years on earth yeah, yeah. brian piccolo is who you're talking about and um you're you're 100 right and um if you've ever seen the movie uh, brian's song you know what that story is all about if you didn't you're looking for something mm-hmm. to entertain you for a couple hours i'd suggest you go check that out because it's an incredible love story yep. if you will one of respect and uh, that's a touch class right there about the Chicago Bears. I'll tell you that right now. Touch class. Yep. Of course, Piccolo, one of the all-time great players in Wake Forest history, has buildings named at him, uh, after him all over this country, including a dormitory uh, at Wake Forest University. So right. stroke a class by the, uh, by the Chicago Bears and the McCaskey family. All right, Notre Dame, Texas tonight, 7 o'clock. I'll, t- I'll jump in. I like the Irish pack. Well, I'm going to jump in because the ACC Network signs my paycheck, and I think that uh, when it gets right down to it, that's an easy call. I, again, no disrespect. I love the yeah. Austin, Texas. I think the University of Texas is cool. I like their fan base and all that stuff, but yeah. uh, I'd love to see Notre Dame take care of business tonight. And I'd like to see Oklahoma win this afternoon because I would like to see Texas and Texas A&M Sunday in a loser-leave-town yeah. match. I think that just adds to the drama on a happy Father's Day weekend to all the guys out there. Just a reminder. Absolutely. Yep. Happy Father's Day, Pack, to Billy as well. We will see you guys Monday. Thanks to Josh Macri, Angela Travato for a great week. Chrissy, thank you. Have a safe weekend, everyone. We'll see you Monday morning, 7 a.m. on Packer and Durham. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app. 